We're going to be in Mark chapter 9, and I want to begin reading in verse uh, 30. If you're able to stand, please stand with us this morning for the reading of the scripture, and then we'll have prayer together. Mark chapter 9 and verse 30. And it begins with these words, and they departed thence. Um, Now, they had been in this upper region of uh, where Caesarea Philippi is. That's where Jesus had this conversation with his disciples, and Peter made that glorious confession. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's on the northernmost region that Jesus ever traveled during his earthly ministry. So they're departing thence. They're leaving that area and they're traveling south. And this journey that he's on now, traveling south through Galilee, he'll stop in Capernaum, we'll read about it today, will eventually take him on the eastern side of the Jordan River, then across at Jericho to go into Bethany and Jerusalem, where he'll be crucified. So this is the last leg, if I could say that, of his journey. Verse 30, and they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. And they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way. Now just imagine, you're the twelve with the twelve. You've been with Jesus. You're traveling. They go into this house in Capernaum. And he said, by the way, fellas, what was it you were talking about a while ago? That's exactly the question. What was it, verse 33, that you disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Isn't that a spiritual conversation for the disciples to have? They're talking about who's more important. It's amazing. And he sat down and called the twelve. It's time for a, for a lecture. He sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set him, the child, in the midst of them. And when he had taken him, this child, up in his arms, he saith unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. We're going to speak on that question they had among themselves, who should be the greatest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We, we do honor it. We appreciate it. We love it. We want to learn from it. Thank you that you didn't leave us to our own imaginations. But you and your great wisdom and providence gave a Bible word for word that we could read, that we could understand, that we could grow. 
And it's a wonderful book, and we thank you for it. And pray you'd bless today as we look at it together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as we said a moment ago, Jesus is making this trek now southward toward Jerusalem. And it says that he, they went through Galilee, and in verse 33 it says they came to Capernaum. Capernaum was basically the most uh, occupied place, you call a residence of Jesus while he was on these, this earth during his ministry, those three and a half years of his ministry, more time spent in Capernaum and around Capernaum on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee than any other city. Interesting, it says in verse 30 that he was passing through Galilee. He would not that any man should know it. He was trying to maintain as low a profile as he could. He wasn't trying to build crowds. He wasn't trying to get a fire. He was maintaining a low profile because his primary interest now is instructing his disciples and preparing them for what's going to occur when they get to Jerusalem. Verse 31 says, in the first part of verse 31, it says, For he taught his Disciples. I just want to linger there for a moment. Such a simple phrase. He taught his disciples. But what an important phrase. This is what Jesus did. Jesus came to teach and to preach, of obviously to preach the gospel that people could be saved. But Jesus, this is what Jesus wanted. He wanted to instruct people. He wanted to teach people. This is... And by the way, that's what he does now. Jesus hadn't changed. That's what he did then. That's what he does now. And we've said this many times. It bears repeating. But there, there seems in many corners of our culture such a, a disdain for learning, such a, a lack of hunger for truth. But Jesus came to give us truth. And we ought to read the truth and let him teach us. He, you know, he wants to be our teacher. And of course, he has the Bible. We have the Bible to be instructed by, but this is what disciples do. Disciples listen and learn from Jesus. That's what we're doing today. And he's teaching them in verse 31, but he's teaching them something specific. He's teaching them about his impending death. If you look there in verse 31, he said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Now, if you've been here on Sunday mornings, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings for over a year. And in the last few weeks, we've noted several times where Jesus told them this same story. You remember that. He told them he was going to go into Jerusalem. He told them he was going to be betrayed into the hands of evil men. He told them that he would be killed. He told them that he would rise again. And now he's telling them... Again, he's repeating it. And why did he repeat it so often? We could say because it's important, which it was, but also because they hadn't gotten it yet. They still don't get it. And um, it says there in verse uh, 31, or excuse me, verse 32, it says, but they understood that not that saying. They've heard it, they've heard it, they've heard it. They still don't understand it. And they were afraid to ask him. You ever had someone tell you something and you didn't understand what they said and you didn't want to ask them, could you just tell me that again? Sure you have. I've had it happen lots of times. 
It's not so bad the first time you say explain it, but after the second or third time you say, okay, yeah, I got you. (laughs) So he's teaching them this, but they still don't have it. And verse 32 says, they they understood not and were afraid to ask him. They they didn't fully get it, but they didn't want to bring it back up. There's an interesting uh, note in Luke's gospel, we're not going to turn to it, but when Luke in his gospel is recording, including this event, this is what, there's some interesting words. I'll, I'll read them to you from Luke, Luke's gospel. He said, Jesus said this, let these sayings sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered in the hands of men. Gentlemen, let this soak in. Let this sink down into your ears. Listen carefully. Listen intently. Now, I'm going to move away from this, but I think this is a great lesson about learning. You may not always get it the first time, right? Right? You didn't hear it the first time, right? (laughs) You may not always get it the first time. But because we don't get it the first time doesn't mean we shouldn't get it sometimes. They heard it, didn't get it. They heard it, they didn't get it. Because we don't get it now doesn't mean it's unimportant. We've probably all been guilty of this. We hear something, it doesn't really connect, and we just dismiss it like, well, maybe I didn't really need to know that. Just because we don't get it the first time is not an indication that God doesn't feel like it's important. Here's an example. They didn't get it, he tells them again. They didn't get it, he tells them again. They didn't get it, he tells them again. Now, I think that's an important subject to grasp. Truth is given to us from God that we might learn it. And if we don't get it, we need to keep listening to it and studying it and learning it. Because it's not just man's opinion, it's God's truth. So, with that as sort of a background that's going on, Jesus trying to teach them. Then in verse 33, he came to Capernaum. And being in the house where they were staying, being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? So Jesus confronts them about a conversation that they've been having. And they were talking about it, but obviously they weren't thinking about or aware of the fact that Jesus knew what they were talking about. And so Jesus said, let's discuss this. Y'all talked about it. You left me out of the conversation. Let's just talk about it. And the discussion was, was, as we've already made note, the discussion was about who's the greatest. Look in verse 34. By the, but they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. We're gonna, let's talk about that, fellas. By the way, they, it says there, they held their peace. They didn't utter a word. They didn't respond at all. They were just sitting on their hands and holding their tongue. Now, I want to look at this this morning, and I want to break it up into two points, really. First is the question that they were disputing. Who should be the greatest? And then second, I want to look at the answer that Jesus gave them. The question... Who should be the greatest? The answer that Jesus gave them. So what does it mean in verse 34 when they were talking about this? They disputed among themselves 
Who should be the greatest? Well, what is the word greatest referring to? Well, it means biggest or it means most important. They were talking about who's going to be the most important. Now, you would think that a group of preachers taught for three years by Jesus himself would be farther enough along in their maturity that they wouldn't be talking about something like that. Who's the most important one among us? But that's, you know, what, don't you love the fact that the Bible lets us see the humanity of people? None of us are perfect. They weren't perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. And this was a conversation I'm sure that they're going to regret ever having. Who is the greatest among us? So I want, to, I want to look at that for a little bit. Why, first of all, would they deliberate? Why would they discuss such a subject? Well, obviously, they had personal ambition in mind. They were thinking about their position. Matter of fact, we'll talk about this later in the Gospel of Mark because it it lets us in on another conversation that happened at another time where James and John's mother went to Jesus, directly to Jesus, and and tried to negotiate with Jesus about one of her kids sitting on the right hand and one of them sitting on the left. They were thinking about the importance of their position, a promotion, their prominence. A part of it had to do with their misunderstanding or confusion about the kingdom of God. I'm certain of that. See, they knew Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus made, before, before they left Caesarea Philippi, Jesus made sure that these disciples knew who he was. He asked the question, whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, some of you say Some of them say this, some of you say that, some of them say that. But Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter came up with the right answer. Thou art the Christ, the promised Messiah, the long-awaited deliverer for Israel. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, they knew who the Christ was. And because they knew their Bible and they knew who the Christ was, they knew that one day the Messiah would reign. And the first, the first message that John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, preached, and the first message that Jesus preached was the similar, repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's upon us, the reign, the kingdom of the Messiah. So they knew, they knew that the, Jesus was the Messiah. They knew that the Messiah was the king. They knew he would reign. Here's what they never could wrap their mind around. Before he would reign, he would suffer and die as a sacrifice. And so, I think a part of their mentality here is, who's going to be, who's going to have an important place in the kingdom? Who's going to have, who's the greatest among us? Giving them the benefit of the doubt, which I think is wise to do. (laughs) Some of it could have been born in their desire just to please God. And to be great in his eyes. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do the Lord's will. There's nothing wrong with God wanting God to use you. And perhaps that's a part of their, their reason why they're asking. But it's, we ought to look at that. Why did they ask such a question? And it's especially awkward when you consider when this conversation took place. I mean, Jesus is repeatedly trying to prepare them for the most painful experience they will have ever had in this life. To watch him crucified. And them hiding and 
terror and fear of what's going to happen to them. The timing of this could not be worse. I mean, how insensitive could it be when someone is pouring their heart out to you and saying, I'm about to be killed. I'm going to die. And they're discussing among themselves which of them is the most important. How insensitive is that? So the question that's being discussed, why was it being discussed? And, and when it was being discussed. And the fact, if you look in verse 34, when it says they held their peace, for, the, for by the way, that means as they walked along, by the way, on the road, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. I think they knew their conversation was questionable at best, don't you? By the way, guys, what were y'all talking about? You could hear the crickets, right? Not a chirp. By the way, this ought to be a reminder for every one of us that all of our conversations are being heard. If they're not being heard by those around us, they're being heard by the Lord. And so Jesus took this and turned it, as he often did, into a teaching moment. Right? That's what he did. He, he would take conversations, things that were said, and he would use that as a platform to teach them valuable lessons. So we've talked about the question. Now let's talk about the answer. Verse 35 says, And he sat down and called the twelve... And saith unto them. So here the here we started in verse 31 with him teaching. We see in verse 35 another time of him teaching. That's what Jesus does. This is what he said to them in verse 35 in response to their question. If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. He's going to explain to them what the path to greatness is. And he used a little bit different language. He said, if you want to be first, you must be last. And the servant of all. The phrase to be first must mean the same thing as the greatest. They were saying who should be the greatest. Jesus said if you decide to be first. So to me, those two must be equal. They must be synonymous, saying the same thing. And so he tells them, if you're going to be last, if you're going to be first, you've got to be last. And you've got to be the servant of all. The more people you serve, the more you're a servant of all, the more, the more you're elevated. You humble yourself, God exalts you. They were not humbling themselves, they were exalting themselves. Be like a group of preachers at a conference getting together just bragging about how good they are and how, you know, the, what a wonderful message I preach Sunday and, and all this kind of stuff. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Amen. So Jesus is answering their question. And in doing so, verse 36, he brought this child. Jesus often used object lessons. He brought this child into the midst of them and, 
And he's going to, it's a part of his explanation as to who's most important. He took this, and he took the child into his arms, it says, in verse 36. And when he had taken him in his arms. That's very interesting because if you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that at other times Jesus had to rebuke these disciples because they, they, uh, ignored children, they, they didn't want to be bothered by children. He, they even asked Jesus one time to get these, we, let's get these children out of here. They were so out of touch sometimes with the way Jesus was. And by the way, same thing can happen to us. We can just really be out of touch with the way Jesus is and the way he wants us to be. So he, in this conversation about who's most important, he took this little kid and puts this kid in his arms. And what, I think one of the things he was conveying to them is, this child is pretty important to me. You're talking about who's most important. This child is very important to me. And then he says that when someone receives a child, they're receiving me. If they're a child in my name, they're receiving me. And then he says, whoever, if, you're not just, if you receive a child, then you're receiving me. But you're not just receiving me, you're also receiving him that sent me, the Father. So in teaching them about who should be first or greatest, he taught them to care for even the smallest. Now again, I refer back to the gospel, other gospels sometimes, because as you know, when something happens like this, sometimes only one gospel will record it, but sometimes more than one gospel will record it. And Matthew recorded this, and in that discussion as it was taking place, this is what Matthew wrote that Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself... As this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Emphasis on the word humble. They're talking about greatness. He's talking about humility. They're talking about who's going to be the most important. He's talking about the one that will take the lower place. To be great, to be important, to be first, you don't have to be political. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to make a place for yourself. But what you need to do is humble yourself like this little child. It's a great lesson. What is the path to becoming our best? What is the path, if I could use the word of success? It's not seeking to be important. It's not seeking to get the attention. It's not wanting to be elevated. There's something innate, something inside of all of us that wants to do that, that wants to be recognized. And it's in preachers, because believe it or not, preachers are people too. It's in preachers. It's in all of us. It's called pride. It's pride. They wanted to be important. The secret to success, and you won't hear this a lot in some places, but it's not self-promotion. It's in humbling yourself. Our greatest enemy, we have a lot of enemies. We were talking about the danger of the information age in Sunday school today and about false information and, and about the, how we ought to be careful about what we're hearing and what we're believing. But one of the greatest enemies that all of us have lives inside of us. And it's our pride. It's a dreadful enemy. It's an internal enemy that all of us need to recognize and deal with and with the help of God 
conquer it. Pride wants to exalt self. I believe in the value of every person, don't you? I believe every person's important. I believe God has a plan for every person. God himself designed us to succeed in his own way. God wants us to succeed. But success is not how much money in the bank or how big car, car you have or how big... Nothing wrong with those things, but success really is in knowing and doing God's will. That's success. God wants us to do that. But self-promotion is not the way to get there. Self-exaltation is not the way to get there. Pride seeks to be important. Pride seeks to promote, to exalt self. Pride promotes what we want instead of seeking to help others reach their potential. Pride helps... Pride keeps people from seeking help, right? Pride keeps us even sometimes from asking. Now, this is not true of me, but it's true of most men. When they don't know how to find their way, they don't ask anybody. No, it's true of me too, you know. I hope I'm better at that than I used to be. I wouldn't ask directions for anything. I'd rather stay lost. I'm not proud of that. (laughs) Pride doesn't want to ask for help. It's amazing. People, you know, one of the hardest things to get to someone who's struggling in life to do is just to admit how desperately in need they are. Pride doesn't want us to do that. Pride keeps people from being saved. There are people who are unsaved in many places of the world and even in our country because they don't know the way. We know that's true. But sometimes people who know the way are too proud to ask for help. Wouldn't that be a horrible thing? Think about this today, young and old. Wouldn't it be a horrible thing for a person to die in their sin and go to hell because they were too proud to say, I need help. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if my name's written. I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure I've been born again. I don't want to die lost. But pride keeps people from doing that. Isn't that a horrible thing? Pride's an ugly thing. Pride keeps us from admitting when we're wrong. You ever been wrong? It's funny to say, you ever been wrong and people just freeze and they won't respond? It's a hard thing to say that I was wrong. Please forgive me, I was wrong. I've had to say it a few times. More than a few times. Pride deceives us. So here this group of people are talking about who is going to be the most important and Jesus did not give them ten steps to greatness. He gave them one step. Humble yourself. I I met a fellow, I don't know why this came into my mind, but I met a fellow uh, a couple of years ago. I knew of him. He's an evangelist. He travels around a lot and and our paths crossed. We talked together and 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 uh, he sent me a text to the next day, two words, stay low. <laughs> Pretty good advice, isn't it? Just stay low. That's kind of what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus said, if any man desire to be first, 
the same shall be last of all and servant of all. If any man desires to be first, that's verse 35, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Humility is the key to success. And humility, according to what Jesus is teaching here, I'm, I'm looking at verse 35, not only shall he be the last of all, but he will be the servant of all. Humility focuses on serving others. Please get this, young person. These are not my opinions. These are not my words. This is not my homespun philosophy. This is what Jesus said. You want to be a success? Focus on how you can serve other people. Focus on ministering to other people. The philosophy of the world is completely different from this. It says if you want to be happy, put yourself first. Jesus said if you want to be a success, put others first. Minister to other people. Pride prefers to be served. Humility looks for a way to serve others. We see such a contrast here. The closest companions of Jesus are having this private conversation about who is the most important. And Jesus is preparing himself to go to Calvary, to suffer on the cross, and before he gets there, he will gird himself with a towel and wash the feet of these men. And show us what greatness really is. May I remind us all today, God hates pride. God hates it. I know there's a sense in which we may say, and it's it's not the same thing, we may say of our children, our grandchildren, or somebody, I was proud of you. We don't mean that in the same way. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just ego, selfishness. God hates it. Who should be the greatest? That was the question. Who should be the greatest? And the answer was, if you really want to be great, humble yourself and serve other people. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing that God really made us for, is to be a help and a blessing to other people. It doesn't, fit, it doesn't work always in our rationale. People think, don't think this works, but you, it's true. By the way, one of the greatest things you can do for someone who's down in the dumps, someone who's hurting, someone who's struggling, is help them find something good to do for somebody else. It's true. Thinking of self is like a pit. Thinking of our, only of ourselves and always about ourselves and wanting all this, it's, it, it's like it, we drown in it. Find somebody to help. Find somebody to serve. Find somebody to be a blessing to. So let's just wrap this up today with a couple of thoughts. Number one, number one, the greatest servant of all is Jesus Christ. Amen. No comparison. He came, he left, he, think of what he left to come here. He left the splendor of heaven He left the presence of the Father. He left heaven to come down to here. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant. Eventually taking him to the cross. That's the, that's the greatest example of servitude, is Jesus coming to this earth, Jesus helping people, Jesus going to Calvary. That's the greatest example of servitude there is. Amen. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. And if you're here today and you don't know him as your Savior, I'm telling you today, there's only one way. There's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to be born again, and that's through faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. It's not multiple choice. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way. You've got to come through Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, you ought to come to him today. Please hear me. And if you think, well, I probably need to do that sometime, but I I don't want to do it today. You know, part of that could just be pride. You're going to determine when you're going to do it. Or I would do that, but my friends here, and I'm wondering what they're going to think. You know what that is? That's pride. You need to slay that pride and come by faith to Jesus Christ. I struggle with that once in my own life. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I struggle with pride once. I've struggled with pride a lot. But this idea of, you know, what will people think if I do this? I'm telling you, it's the devil. And it's your own selfish pride. You ought to just say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to get right with God. I don't care what anybody thinks. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. And you ought to come today. Let somebody talk with you and pray with you about that. And if you're here today and you say, well, preacher, I've got that matter settled. I know I'm saved. I've been born again. I know I'm going to heaven. Please be honest enough to recognize that one of the greatest enemies in my life is my own pride. I want to humble myself. Humble myself. Seek the Lord. Humble myself. Serve others. Because that's the, that's the path to greatness. Amen?